for all things land development, planning and property. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. To find out how Ian can help you, visit propertyonfire.co.uk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Property on Fire. So what do we have coming up in today's episode? As usual, several of you have been emailing in your questions to ian at propertyonfire.co.uk and this episode is no exception. Lee is asking about how to find out who the owner is of some land and Sam has a restaurant they are looking to convert. We'll also chat about the latest updates to the GPDO and how that might affect you and also talk about extensions. So without further ado, let's get started. But before we do, please do like, review and subscribe to this podcast and come with me on this property journey. First up, let's talk about extensions. I was reading one of the several Facebook groups that I tend to frequent during the week and I read a story of a chap that unfortunately got caught out by an extension that he had actually built. So a little bit of free advice if you are looking to build an extension or do other works to your property under the GPDO. First of all, please do not rely upon what a neighbour has done for these extensions, dormers and such like. Just because a neighbour has done it, it doesn't mean you can do the same. Your property may have restrictions on it. For example, there may be an Article 4 on the property. There may have been a previous planning restriction placed upon your property. So you really need to check all those out before you even think about building or doing anything in the GPDO on your property. Also, please watch out for existing extensions or you may know them as outriggers that have been there from either when the house was new or if they existed on the 1st of July 1948. If they vanished before the 1st of July 1948, you can ignore them. By the way, the 1st of July 1948 is when planning started here in the UK. So that is our our default date that a lot of legislation goes back to. These extensions, they may contain kitchens or toilets or anything else. And if they do exist or have existed since then, Unfortunately, any extension that you build to the rear will actually be a side elevation and not a rear elevation. As a result of this, you are limited to just 50% of the width of the house. If you wanted to put on a full width extension, so i.e. fill in the gap between the outrigger and your side of the house, and that is greater than 50%, you will need full planning. Right, on to the first of our questions for today. Lee has kindly emailed ian at propertyonfire.co.uk and asks, how can I find out who owns a piece of land? Thanks Lee for your question and I really appreciate them all that come in. Right, the first and probably the most obvious would be land registry. However, please only pay £3. I am aware of some scam sites that do exist and these will charge considerably more than £3. But Land Registry will only charge you £3. So you can download the title and see if that will actually give you a clue as to who owns it or how to contact the owner. You can also go and ask some neighbours living near the land that might actually know who owned it. Perhaps also you can ask on some local Facebook groups. Is there a Facebook group for the town or the village? They might know who owns it. Have a look at previous planning applications. 
and see as to whether or not there was any owner's details put in that uh, that you can actually read. Now, the owner of the property, if it's a property or the land, uh, may well have objected to planning locally. So have a look at other planning applications that are in the local vicinity. Just see who objected, as that will give you a fair idea as to who might live at a particular property or, or have control over a certain piece of land. Another idea might be to erect a sign. Put a sign saying, owner contact me, for example, or something to that ilk. Just put a sign up. You could also write to the property if it's an actual property rather than a piece of land and actually see if the letter's afforded. So there's several ideas there as to how you might be able to contact the owner of a property or a piece of land. Can you think of any other ways? Why not hit me up on Property on Fire on Twitter and all other social media and let me know if you've got other ideas. I hope that answered your question, Lee, but essentially you just need to do a little bit of digging and research the site or the property in as much detail as possible. If you need any further help, please do feel free to reach out to me. Before we move on to Sam and their question regarding their, their restaurant, I thought I would have a brief chat about the latest update to the General Permitted Development Order. This is the sixth update that we've seen in 2020 alone and the 21st update, I think, from when the GPDO was introduced in 2015 or was last revised anyway. Back in September, at the end of September, Robert Jenrick in the House of Commons announced that all conversions from commercial to residential will be subject to minimum space standards. Up until now, we haven't actually known when this may come in. We thought it might come in in 2020, or perhaps they may have waited until the next GPDO is due out, which is July 21. Well, as of the end of last week, we actually now know the answer. The crucial date that you need to put in your diaries is the 6th of April 2021. If you submit your prior approval application before this date, you will not need to comply with the minimum space standards. So as far as a prior approval is concerned, this relates to class M, which is converting shops to residential, class N, which is converting amusements to residential, class O, which is converting offices to residential, and class Q, which is converting barns to residential. If you submit any of those prior approvals after, on or after the 6th of April 2021, it is going to have to comply with the minimum space standards. Likewise, within the new airspace, which is part 20 of the GPDO, if you're going to put flats on any of the classes that you can do so, so that's class A, class ZA, class AA, class AB, class AC, and class AD. And yes, I have no idea why they didn't actually just do them in towards A or to, to Z. I do not know and had a bit of forethought, but they didn't. There we go. Um, you're also going to have to get your, your prior approval in before the 6th of April 2021. It doesn't matter how long that prior approval actually takes, as long as you get it submitted and validated, I would suspect, before the 6th of April 2021. 
It also is going to unfortunately apply to class G. Class G is where you have one or two flats above a shop or financial institution. Normally, you don't actually need to put any sort of planning information to the local authority for that. You just need to submit building regs and go ahead. The critical thing here is that Works is going to have to have started on that conversion from the amenity space above that shop, for example, to that one or two flats must start before the 6th of April 2021. I strongly advise you to take evidence that you actually started that work before the 6th of April so that you do not need to meet minimum space standards if that applies. Of course, if you've already got the prior approval for conversion to residential or obtain it after the 6th of April, then you will still not need to comply with minimum space standards. So don't panic there thinking that everything is going to have to adhere to the minimum space standards. I've already seen several posts on social media saying how this is going to be a big game changer and ruin a lot, lot of potential conversions from commercial to residential. At the end of the day, you just need to make sure that your opportunity actually stacks. And if that means that you can get less units in your building, then so be it. You'll just need to offer a little bit less for your site. And to be honest, the owners of, of those sites are going to have to realise the fact that you aren't actually going to make quite as much as you may have made before the minimum standards came in. I'm also keen, if I'm honest, I'm also keen to actually see bigger flats rather than the very, very small flats that we have seen over the last few years in some of these conversions. With people working from home more and more at the moment, a good live-work relationship is always good. And for that, people do need a little bit more space. If you're not sure what the minimum space standards are, you will find a link to them in the show notes for today's episode. But essentially, we're looking at a minimum of 37 square metres for one person, one bed apartment. Or for two people, it's 50 square metres. For two bedrooms, it's going to be either 61 or 70 metres, depending upon whether you've got one or two people. For a three bedroom, it's going to range between 74 and 95 square metres, depending upon the number of people there. And for four bed, you're looking between 90 square metres and 117 square metres. Again, depending upon how many people actually reside in that dwelling. But you can get a link to the minimum space standards in the show notes for today's episode. There were a few other updates to the GPDO that were were released last week. First of all, Class DA, which allows restaurants, cafes, pubs, etc. to temporarily provide takeaway food. This has now been extended until the 23rd of March 2022. So until then, you can actually, from any of those establishments, you are allowed to supply takeaway food, which would normally not be allowed. Also, Class BA. Also, Class BA could be very useful for people. This is the use of land for any purpose for up to 28 days. This is in addition 
to the 28 days that you already have with class B. So in effect, you now have up to 56 days use of that land for any purposes during 2021 as it's a calendar year that it's based upon. However, if you are looking to hold a market or a car boot sale, for example, then it's actually 50% of those. So normally you can hold a car boot sale or a market for up to 14 days every calendar year on any piece of land. That has now been extended to 28 days during 2021. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. And now, Ian's rant. During the last episode, I said how grateful I am to investors. And this is very, very true. The investors that we are currently working with, we would not be able to do any of our sites without them. So I'm very grateful to each and every one of them. However, my rant today is actually about investors. So why am I ranting? Well, we have just had a situation at Leading Homes where we had agreed a deal with an investor to actually invest in a site up in the Midlands. She was going to put in a good deal of money. That is to be fair. However, we had gone as far as drawing up the loan agreement. We had agreed a 20% per annum interest rate with her. Everything was going fine. And all of a sudden, silence. No response whatsoever. Even her PA didn't actually respond back to things. So we have no idea what's actually happened to her. If that person's got cold feet, then just say so. Just let us know. We're not mind readers. And we don't mind people having a change of heart. May there be personal circumstances have cropped up. But all we ask is just let us know. Because we don't know. And of course, further down the line... We have vendors that we are negotiating with and saying, yes, it's, everything's going through smoothly and everything else. And then all of a sudden, silence. All we want to know is that they want to pull out. That is fine. We really do not mind. We have other investors that we had to turn down for that option. So it's very, very hard when this happens. So, yeah, so that, that is my rant for today. Investors. Please, just communicate with us. That that is all we ask. Thank you. If you have a rant or have something you'd like to get off your chest, then why not hit us up at Property on Fire on Twitter or any of the other social media. Or you can just email me, ian at propertyonfire.co.uk and perhaps I can feature your rant on the next episode. Right, our next question comes from Sam Burgess, who's kindly emailed in at propertyonfire.co.uk and they ask, can I convert a restaurant to a flat and put two flats above it or do I need planning? Thanks, Sam, for your question and I really appreciate it. Right, if you'd asked me this six months ago, a year ago, I would have said no because at that time a restaurant was A3. Restaurants have now been moved into use class E along with offices and more importantly in your situation shops. Now the one way as far as we can tell to actually do this is to actually convert your restaurant to a shop 
and then we can find no reason why you can't use class G to put two flats above that shop. You will need building regs, but you do not require any further planning application or any prior approval. You can just go ahead and do it. However, as I mentioned earlier, keep a note on the 6th of April 2020, because unless you start your conversion and the creation of those two flats, you are going to need to comply with minimum space standards for Class G as well. So despite it not requiring a prior approval, you will get caught up in the minimum space standards. So just be aware of that. Now what to do with that shop that you've now created? Well, unfortunately you can't use Class M, which allows conversion of a shop of up to 150 square meters to residential. However, because it's now in use class E, you can chop and change between any of the uses within it. So for example, you might decide that a gymnasium might work well there. Or perhaps you could even change it back to a restaurant. You could change it to a doctor's or some other medical service. You could put a creche in there. There are many, many different uses you might be able to put that shop to. Or indeed, it could just be a shop. Or what about hot desks perhaps a hot desk would work there in that town village or wherever that might be would that work for the local community with more and more people not working from home they are looking for alternatives where to work and they probably don't want to be in some big office perhaps they want to have hot desking with a cafe there all these uses are within use class e so perhaps that could be put to use i do hope that helped you there sam if you have a question for me or for anybody else, then please do get in touch via email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk or via at propertyonfire on Twitter or the other social media. I look forward to hearing from you very soon. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. And now, Ian's A to Z of property. During every episode, I will slowly be going through the alphabet from A to Z, explaining what may be some new terms or some familiar ones on property. And yes, I do have something for all 26 letters of the alphabet. So let's start today at the beginning with letter A. Our first item is ACM or asbestos containing material. So what is an ACM or asbestos containing material? Essentially, it is any material or article that as part of its design contains asbestos. Fairly obvious. However, only 1% need be asbestos to call it an ACM. Now, I'm not here to give you advice as to how to actually deal with or get rid of asbestos. So for this, I always recommend getting in a proper company who can actually deal with this for you safely. However, there are three main types of asbestos that can still be found in premises today. Commonly, these are called blue asbestos, brown asbestos, and white asbestos. However, all of these are dangerous, but blue and brown asbestos are probably more hazardous than white. Despite their names, you cannot identify them just by their colors. ACM, or asbestos, was banned in 1999 in the UK. Therefore, any building built prior to this date 
or has been refurbished may contain asbestos. As long as the asbestos containing material is in a good condition and it's not being or is not going to be disturbed or damaged, there is negligible risk. But if it's disturbed or damaged, it can become a danger to health because people can breathe in any asbestos fibres that may have been released into the air. ACMs can be found in many common areas, including arctics, asphalt roofing, lagging on pipes, insulation boards, bitumen, carpets, tiles, guttering, and many more. If you're in any doubt, go to the Health and Safety Executive or the HSE's website, which lists several more examples and which type of asbestos may be found within each example of product. As I said previously, please always seek professional help with asbestos removal. It is controlled and you can't just go and remove it and put it into the local tip. You must deal with it properly and it must be double bagged, etc. So please treat it with caution. Thank you to Lee and to Sam for their questions in today's episode. If you've got any questions, perhaps you need a bit more clarification on the new minimum space standards that will soon be in place for commercial conversions to residential, then please do get in touch. You can reach me via social media on any of the platforms at Property on Fire or you can send me an email at ian at propertyonfire.co.uk. So what's coming up in the next episode? Well, Ralph has emailed me and he's asked how can he find out about the use class of a particular building? And Pierre has also emailed asking about TPOs or tree preservation orders and how they may affect the site that he's looking at. So both of those questions and more will be coming up on the next episode. So until next time, keep safe. And if I can help you in your property journey, please do get in touch. Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. Please use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like a question answered on a future episode, email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk.